Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, it's Saturday morning. The shorts are up, the mouth guard is in, and the oranges are cut. That means it's time for Chris Taylor and HG Nelson to hook into a winning grin on We Was Robbed. How you doing? It is that time. It's our favourite time of the week, Saturday morning, where we uh, hop out of bed, grab a quick bowl of cereal, and then race in to Robbers Heartland HQ here uh, for myself, Chris Taylor, joined each week by HG Nelson to look at the world of sport. How are you doing, pal? Well, I, I'm fighting fit, and can I coin a phrase, fit as a trout? Yeah. Uh, I know last week we spent a little while talking about the fly fishing classes in the Canberra area, which we'll give you an update on later, which are tremendous. I think they kick off tomorrow. All gear supplied except the fish. You bring the fish, they'll show you how to do the rest. And it's our Father's Day special. Mm. I mean, Dad's... What haven't they done in the past year? It's just incredible. Father's Day special. And Dad, remember, of course, if it's your day, if you want to get started early on the ironing, if you want to then go and do a little bit of washing to get the shirts ready for the week, and then if you want to put on a lovely sponge cake and have the family come over after the football and you dish them up tea and a beautiful passion fruit sponge, it's your day. Go for it. Absolutely. Uh, great to have all the dads with us uh, this Saturday morning. Coming up a little later on the show, uh, we're going to be looking at the Paralympics and be joining by one of our Aussie Paralympians who's taking part in the first ever triathlon. Uh, ever held in the Paralympics. So that's all coming up today on We Was Robbed. Convicts and repeat offenders heading off to sport or hanging around the hideout with nothing much on. Then this is your show. This is We Was Robbed. Dads are often the sort of forgotten unit in the family, aren't they? Like... You mean like the Holden Kingswood? Yeah, like, you know... Taken for granted? Very much so. Yes. Like, you know, and certainly my family, Mother's Day, we make a hell of a ballyhoo about it. Um, Father's Day could almost pass unnoted. What have you got him this year, Chris? A new whippersnipper or a leaf blower? Something that he can start up, uh, say, on Monday morning at 7.30 and scare the hell out of the neighbourhood? A new um, a new fire lighter for the barbecue. Just, yeah... <laughs> He doesn't have a barbecue yet, but he's got something to light it with once he does get one. Maybe and, next year. Yeah, what a lovely idea. Yeah. Oh, you could get him those. I think you can get a sort of a block. It uh, might be a paraffin block that uh, helps oh, yeah. you with the with you know in uncertain circumstances of uh, of a bit of kindling mm. in a block form. That they're very good for Father's Day too. They don't cost it very much either. No, no, very good. No, you get cheap. a bag of them and get change out of a twenty. I would have oh, thought. Oh, yeah. I mean, what are you talking about now? now should kids be? Um, I mean, it's so hard to know how to play Father's Day. Do you do you give Dad a rest? Do you just leave him alone for the day or do you take him out and make him kick the footy with you? Well, I think, uh, you know, usually, obviously, for Mum, it's breakfast in bed. Yeah. Dad doesn't have a similar sort of thing. He's not as interested in uh, breakfast, is he? <laughs> <laughs> One of his problems. Uh, look, can I say that I, I think you, you just have to lure him out with the, the idea that you'll do things. Mm. You know, look at that list of jobs on the fridge, you know, cleaning out the gutters. Well, uh, Dad's like jobs. Yeah, you but, know, like well, you, where on Mother's Day you sort of give your mum a chore-free day. Dad likes nothing more than a chore. Well, why don't you make a list, if that's the case in your household, make a list of jobs for Dad to get stuck into on Father's Day, on that his special day of the year. And you'd probably start the day off, uh, you'd go down to Bunnings. Oh, Bunnings, yes. Dad sure. loves Bunnings. Yeah, uh, right. And then and you'd, you'd buy all the things you need to do the chores for the rest of the day. And then stop. What would be lovely is if you took him blindfolded to Bunnings and gave him $50 and said, oh. go silly, Dad. <laughs> Come on, you want. Firelight is sure. You know. Now, the big news this week, Yes, though, in the world of AFL, because yes. we're getting very close to finals time, actually. They, they, in some weird, well, it's described as wisdom, the AFL Commission has given all the finals 
teams a week off this week, so we're uncharted territories here. Normally, uh, footballers like to keep playing at this time of year, but now they've got to down tools and put the feet up. Uh, some, of course, are dads, so they'll be probably yeah. thrilled to bits by that. That's but... risky, though, isn't it? Because oh, in two weeks' risky. time, some of them may have forgotten how to play. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to distort the final series. It's obviously the top six in the top eight are very close, mm. but because of the bye, it's going to really upset some teams. Lose, you lose your rhythm, your exactly. momentum. Your if you've momentum, got a, if, that's if, the if, word. If, you, if you've got a winner's streak, the last thing you want to do is stop playing. Correct. And in the AFL, this is a big problem. Uh, you'll notice that uh, Hawthorne, I think, is the team that handles the buy the best. And so well, they're buy specialists. Buy specialists. Yeah. They love a buy. They're better not playing than playing. <laughs> That's right. The others seem to all struggle. And so you've got six teams there who don't like what's happening with six of the eight. I'm just counting two of the teams as I don't think they can get very far. But anyway, they're, they're, um, uh, six of the teams are going to struggle you know, after this weekend. Now, the big news, of course, is, is that to divert... The avalanche of criticism about the lack of football this weekend, the AFL boss, Gil McLaughlin, has announced the, wait for it, the grand final lineup entertainment-wise. Now, this is sometimes more important than the match itself. Much more important. Uh, because people have an idea of what the match is going to be like, i.e. getting goals and bumping into players and running on through the banners, etc., all that sort of stuff, and somebody running around with a cup at the end of the day. But the grand final entertainment has produced acts as memorable as Lionel Richie and Meatloaf. Mm. Uh, the latter, of course, um, indeed himself as the world's best grand final act ever. This year, it's amazing they haven't asked him back. Well, uh, because I, he was that good, wasn't he, Meatloaf? Well, McLaughlin, who's not known for his humour, uh, came out with the line: "Meatloaf's request for another go has been rejected." Oh, <laughs> right. now uh, the headline act will be Vance Joy. Uh, he's the, uh, I think his tune Riptide was voted number one on a, a Triple J Hottest 100 I think in 2013. You, yeah, I think you're right on that. And you, you hear it a lot on ads. It's now, one of those songs that's sort of crossed over and it's on almost every second ad. It's also big. I was in America recently, as you know, um, when uh, Rampage and Westlaven was filling in for me in the robber's seat. And that, that song is everywhere on American radio. Wow. So Vance Joy's really yeah, very big. Now, he's, he, Vance says... That's, I, oh, he's no meatloaf, but he's... You're getting there. Yeah. If he can have a few pies between now and grand final day, he'll, he'll start to get there. And the idea is I think I'd give him a buy and say, yes. pick up, don't pick up the guitar, don't rehearse, don't touch anything. Uh, Vance said, I've loved the game since I was a little kid and played for my old school team. It's crazy to be doing this. Um, now, the other band that'll be there, and don't ask me how they're going to organise this. Does Vance sing the national anthem or does he sing up there Kazali or does he do a, 20, a tight 20 beforehand? Because the other act so far announced is The Living End, uh, the trio that's uh, Chris Cheney's trio, which has been around for a long time. They have. Uh, still fact, still kicking goals, though. Yeah. they've got a, records. I think they've got a new CD coming out. He's, they do. Uh, we all grew up loving football and rock and roll, so I'd have a chance to rock the G on grand final day as a career highlight, Janey said. Now, you've yeah. got protocol issues here, HG. First of all, who do you, who do you get to headline? Because well, I would, minute, have, I would have thought, that, oh, there's more. Wait a minute. You can have a go in a minute. Um, there are a few gigs rarer and more prestigious than playing the AFL grand final. Mm, sure. Uh, now, <laughs> now, the producer of the grand final entertainment, Michael Gadinsky, said further announcements will be released in the coming weeks. It's very exciting Ooh. to announce two Melbourne, wait for it, superstars to form the, 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 the what would I call it, the bit of the iceberg you can't see. But McLaughlin also promised another surprise act in a few weeks. Mm. 
Now, this is the robbers, um, obviously, text messages. Who should, well, who, you know, who should it feedback. Be? Who should it be? I, I've got a feeling it's going to be Guns N' Roses. Uh, mm. As you know, I think Guns N' Roses is part of a world tour early next year, and they've included Australia in, the, in their idea of the world. And I think it's February next year, and it wouldn't surprise me to see them come out and sow the well, publicity, yeah. do the project, you know, go on, say, ABC 24's breakfast show and stuff like that yeah. uh, to let people know they're coming back in February. I know it's been a dream of theirs to play um, the <laughs> AFL Grand Final. Um, let's hear from you though on the text line this morning 0437 665 200 Who should it be? I always think this, like I always enjoyed decoding PR speak so when they say oh, yes, the big surprise is still to come just means they haven't really got, got anyone to sign on the dotted line and yet they, so they can't and they would have loved to have announced it this week but he's still probably wrangling backstage riders and you know travel arrangements and hotel room Axel Rose you know to stay at the Hilton and not the all of that. all of that is, is it a couple of questions here HG I mean it's a grand final it's, it's not a music festival I mean how many acts do you need well, I mean, on the, in the days of Meatloaf, I think Meatloaf stood tall alone. I know. You didn't need under, you know, people support acts. And so if you've got Vance Joy, The Living End, and then Guns N' Roses, yeah. there's almost no time for football. Exactly. And a lot of people will be disappointed. Uh, when the when game starts. Go, exactly. <laughs> when the game starts and leave in protest. On the other hand, I'm a firm believer that if it's about football, it should be a football day. Uh, obviously, when I was a kid, I don't know how many people listening would remember this, there were the under-19s, then the reserves, oh, yeah. and then the main game. And so it just wandered along. We were sure somebody sang the national anthem. We didn't care about that. We thought, well, that's okay. That's just a bit of you know fluff before they get yeah. to the run-throughs. Yeah. Uh, but it's day a day to celebrate football. And, of course, the world being what it is, um, you know, how long can the MCG be the home of the grand final? If you start putting Guns and Roses in it, mm. then all of a sudden... China will want to get involved. Yep. You know, India will want to get involved. Yep. They love Guns N' Roses as much as we do. Yep. So all of a sudden, the MCG will be relocated to the Spratly Islands, <laughs> which is obviously the dream location for all of this. So as these international acts will be able to have access unimpeded and be able to fly in and fly out on the same yep. day. And then Korea will get involved. Who was that, the Gangnam style? Sai. Sai. He'll want to be playing oh, in the AFL Grand K-pop. Final. In fact, is there any talk oh. on the text line that Sai might be the mystery international act? Wreckers, are you doing a tough? Nothing makes housework easier than we was robbed. And a very special Father's Day edition of We Was Robbed with uh, myself, Chris Taylor, and HG Nelson this morning. We've had a uh, some great suggestions on the text line about the grand final entertainment. Uh, Rowan says Guns and Roses would be great, but Axel would never turn up on time. Uh, so well, not, that's probably right. That's probably but right. But what time does he like, need to get there? Yeah. If you tell him, if you tell him the games on Tuesday. He probably will turn up on Sunday. So, <laughs> like, yeah, so maybe that's the way around that one. Yeah, true. He's notoriously uh, slow out of the blocks. You know when Bruce McAvaney starts a race away, away. When, when Axel's running it, sort of, he has to time that very carefully. <laughs> right. Um, Mick's got in touch, too, to say, I'd love to see the anthem sung by a player. Rather than a Jessica Malboy type. Oh, what a great idea. Maybe Travis Cloak could do the AFL and Darren Lockyer could do the NRL. Oh, Darren Lockyer, one of the well, great voices in rugby that league. That's a great suggestion. Oh, that's fantastic. Has that ever been tried? Well, I can't recall that ever being tried. It doesn't mean that it hasn't been. And what I remember, uh, can we remember recently they had a young 
player who came out and sang, might have been at a baseball match, a baseball final, and had a fit of the hiccups. Oh, yeah. And got a lot of uh, YouTube traction with his uh, very brave version <laughs> of the national anthem yeah. with a lot of <laughs> hiccups yeah. in it. Uh, look, I think that's an excellent idea. What I'd love to see is maybe a barbershop quartet of oh. retiring players. Oh. So... Let's say you had uh, Michael Jamison from Carlton. Oh, yeah. And you had uh, Drew Petrie from North Melbourne. And you might have, uh, let's see, who else is retiring? Oh, yeah, say Boomer Harvey for want of a better name. And uh, then, you know, throw in, I don't know, Ted Richards to complete your barbershop quartet representing, obviously, great players from the current era who are moving on. And would you put them in the barbershop strip and with the mows and the red and white stripes and the boaters or just in their old club colours? I I think you'd have to go with club colours. Otherwise, in civvies, they're unrecognisable. (laughs) Any footballer just wandering around in civvies without, say, in Bernard Harvey's case, 39 on his back, if that's his number, is completely unrecognisable. No, they've got a dress for the occasion, for the final time. And it doesn't matter if they get it right or wrong, they'll be able to have computer screens in front of them and they can follow the bouncing ball. Read the words, yeah. Well, there's been a. Even professional singers get it wrong. Kate Sobrano last year at the AFL Grand Final got the words wrong. So it's almost culturally important to get it wrong. Yeah. I think Australians would be a bit suspicious if you got it right. <laughs> You'd be over-rehearsed. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They, would, they would think you were trying to send them up. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you taking the piss. Why'd you get all the words right? Um, now, look, often you see, like, you know, at the start of... Um, oh, I'd love uh, to see Drew Petrie sing the National Anthem. Yeah. That'd, that'd be great. You, at the start of, you know, the Bledisloe Cups, mm. most, and all, during all the Olympics, we saw the anthem sung a lot. And most most... Athletes and rugby players, they don't really sing along with great guts. So, so would if you in choosing the right person to do it, would you need to go back and look at the tapes and see someone who seems reasonably comfortable singing in public from that footage, or just or just pick someone at random and go like <clears throat> almost a, a lucky door prize sort of system where uh, a, a competing player. So I, I oh, like I the got... bar- I like the barbershop idea, but someone who's actually playing the game, you, you a kid comes out and draws a number out of a hat and goes, "Oh, it's number 19 uh, from let's say Hawthorne. You're singing the anthem." And then I know that's a big burden to carry when you've got the biggest game of your life ahead of you, but it is set it in context. It, it get trending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now. Uh, several things here. Uh, firstly, I noticed the rugby players are very uh, pretty liter- good. Yeah, pretty good. So I think uh, any of the Wallabies could do it, and that'd be a nice touch of uh, barbershop quartet of Wallaby players, yes. cross-code fertilisation and yep. all that sort of stuff. The other thing is is that uh, I do notice also that certain uh, you know papers that want to bag players who don't can't sing the national anthem. Well, their job is to play football, not worry about singing the national anthem. Not we have trained singers like Kate Sobrano who yeah. can do that, mm. who can learn lyrics, who are quick studies, who can pick it up. But I do like the idea that there's an element of surprise about it that their national anthem will be sung today by Sam Mitchell, uh, the plucky number five mm. for the Hawthorne Footy Club. Out comes Sam Waddles on, uh, maybe with his kids, because this would be yes. the biggest moment in his career, singing the national anthem on grand final. People would yeah. love it. Yeah. People would love it. And imagine the build-up in the paper. You know, Sam, how's the hammy? How's the tonsils, more importantly? Yeah. Uh, you can do. You can stand there and with a hammy problem, but, uh, you know, yeah, the how's tonsils. how's your high C? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do some of the visiting musicians, such as Axel Rose, uh, Vance Joy, living in, do they sometimes feel a bit wounded or hurt that they're not also asked to do the anthem duties? 
Because they never do. They always just play their own songs, don't they, I think? Like, oh, like Meat, Meatloaf was never given the anthem. Oh, I'd love to see Meatloaf do the anthem. Oh, that would, would be fantastic. Because he did so well at all these own stuff. Imagine giving him an anthem. And now, robbers, it is time for Coach's Catflap, a regular powwow with the biggest brains of sport. Now, coming up very shortly in the Catflap, we're going to be uh, hooking the phone lines up to Rio de Janeiro, where the Paralympics are getting underway, and one of our Aussie Paralympians, Brant Garvey, who's representing Australia in the triathlon, will be joining us on the line. So uh, hang around for that. But before we get there, a little bit of uh, flap tidbits just to clean up, HG. Yes, I was going to say, uh, we've had some updates from our producer, Max Gosford, about the uh, AFL. This is the um, T20 coming to, well, American football. Uh, Obviously, the competition exists in America, played indoors in basketball stadiums with less players than in a normal uh, NFL game. And a much smaller field. Much, oh, if it's, oh, if it's in a basketball court. I'd love to see yeah. a whole roster out there in a, um, you know, on a basketball court. Mm. But it strikes me as a bit triad or yeah. something. It, not, yeah, not no. It doesn't feel like sport. No. At least the T20 IPL is played on the... Yeah, like it, it vaguely recognises yeah. the sport it's it's emulating. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. well, we wish them well with it. Um, and it, it's you know if there's a, an avenue for former footballers to still uh, have a run around and have a couple of people look at them and show some interest in their career, then so it's be. good. Yeah. Now, it's fine by us. Now, the big news this week, and we are in an age where. You know, football, any competition can't be contained within one country anymore. I mean, that's the Jared Haynes story. Well, rugby league's got too big for Australia. Exactly. Rugby league is way too big for Australia. In the same way as that, uh, I think Port Power and the AFL is pioneering this great thing about playing in Shanghai. Not sure who they're against. Let's say they're against the Melbourne Demons opening round next year. I know Kevin Sheedy, very keen that every match in the opening round be played overseas. Not sure how that works, but anyway. Oh, different the, countries or different all countries, in Shanghai? Yeah. Oh, well, that'd be fantastic Gee, for Shanghai. An, an Asian round to start an off. Asian the, round, wow. that's right. Um, I don't know that that'll happen, but because uh, I think the, some of the teams take it a little bit more seriously than Kevin these days. Uh, but now the West Tigers Rugby League team are in negotiations to take a historic pre-season trial to Hawaii in a move that will take their brand to a new global audience. <laughs> Now, I wonder how big is the West Tigers brand globally at the moment? (laughs) Like, if you went to Iceland wearing a West Tigers shirt, would you get a lot of people go, wow? Yeah, gee, Tigers. Tigers. Balmain Tigers. Yeah. Joint venture. Yeah. West Campbelltown, you know, formerly at Ashfield. Do you go into the leagues there at Ashfield, etc.? Yeah. Uh, Look, I I'm mean, not it's, sure. it's already pretty big, I assume, but taking it to Hawaii will take it up a level, won't it? Well, the Tigers are in talks with NRL and a rival club about taking a landmark match to the 50,000-seater Aloha Stadium. Aloha. I'm, <laughs> on the University of Hawaii's Rainbow Warriors football field. The University of Hawaii's Rainbow Warriors football It was just built for rugby league or uh, NFL? Obviously, NFL. Uh, the NRL is yet to approve the venture, but <laughs> you no know, surprises there. It reeks of someone in the Tigers team quite liking their surf. And going, oh, you know, you know what would be a great place to go and play a game? Yeah. Hawaii. Yeah, but there's nothing about this that says rugby league to me at all. Well, the uh, NRL is uh, yet to approve the venture, but the Tigers <laughs> officials hope the governing body will see the benefits of exposing two of its clubs to a new market. 
we try to make these games away for strategic reasons, not just for commercial benefits, said one of the games, you know, or, or but for the games benefits. He mean overall the games benefits. This is CEO Justin Pascoe talking exclusively for Do We Was Robbed. There are a lot of synergies from a cultural perspective, Australian, Australia around the value of family, well-being and healthy living. <laughs> what? That's that's the best they could come up with. It's the best they could come up with. Well-being, value of family, unlike other cultures that don't value family. Yeah, and healthy living, unlike other cultures yeah. that just want to get drunk all the time. Our community programs work well there and have been really well received. One of our key pillars from the organisational perspective is borderless community. Ooh. Mm. And that's about bringing the massive brand that is West Tigers. It's a big brand. Into a global platform in conjunction with the game. Well, hang on. If it's a massive brand, why do they? Why need do they to need go, to go overseas to promote it further? Yeah. And I'm not sure exactly how this works. Are they interested in selling shirts? Oh, Two towels. They take merch with them. Yeah. S- uh, snow domes. Yeah. Uh, the tigers push. Oh, the islanders would love some tigers merch. <laughs> wouldn't they? <laughs> the push. You know, I think is it not Hawaii where when you get off the plane they put a layer around your yeah. neck. I think. But if they now sort of if the tigers could somehow get a jumper. Yeah, like so everyone getting off the plane for that month, you know, gets a tiger scarf or something like that, or a lay in tiger colours. Now, Tigers push isn't the first attempt to stage a game in Hawaii. Penrith and Brisbane were deep in negotiations to take an exhibition game to a tourist hotspot. Oh, Lord. Last off-season. But the NRL raised concerns primarily about, wait for it, player welfare during the holiday period. That was, uh, anyway, that's uh, yet to be resolved. Uh, the Tigers players, uh, well, it's unlikely there'll be any complaints from Tigers or the players, this is your point, or their opponents who'll get to train and play in a popular destination that many league stars would otherwise frequent during their off-season. Yeah. So a lot of be there. The difficulty that I have with this is historic pre-season trial. Ooh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Match for premiership points, I understand. Yes. Somebody's taking a risk here. Yeah. But this is who's going to hit who I, how hard. Yeah, no, I think, look... Uh, has anyone sort of looked at this the other way and just thought, what what's Hawaii going to get out of it? Like, I can see a lot of upside for the West Tigers. I think it's promoting the brand globally. Um, and remember, all, it's all, massive. It's already. huge, huge already, but yeah. it's going to just go berserk. Berser- yeah. Um, what? But the the Islanders, they like a simple life. Um, how crazy can they go for rugby league? Do you think they'll mm. they'll get the bug and the fever? Is that the hope? And that Hawaii might then field a side in like 2019? And then you'll have a Shanghai side, a Hawaii side, a Finland side, and then making rugby league truly international? Is that the <clears throat> long game strategy? Well, I think they've got a fair bit of opposition to that because obviously the world game would have a bit of a problem with that and try and yeah. make that difficult. But, you know, sport's a funny thing because... Um, uh, you know, the idea that Chinese and Thai interests, are, or Russian interests for that matter, own a lot of the Premier League clubs, that's the way I see it developing more, that mm. if you could sell a club to Shanghai, Hawaiian, or, you know, let's say Finnish interests, yeah. uh, then you'd have a more interesting yeah, thing. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Because then they would do the heavy lifting for you. Yeah. You wouldn't have to do it all yourself. Here it's, I mean, I, I've got to be honest, I don't know who the Tigers' sponsors are. Let's say in well, in the old days, you know, uh, for instance, going back a long time, West's one half of the joint venture was sponsored by Victor Mowers. Really? Now, Victor Mowers, firstly, you'd have to explain the concept of a lawnmower to most of the people who were coming. Exactly. Having done that, yeah. Victor Lawnmower, I can and see how it works. Once they understand lawnmower, you've got to explain Victor. 
Like, who is Victor? That's right. What, what's his relationship with lawnmowers? Anyway, what happens is that all of a sudden you've got a talking point. Yeah. Not only lawn mowing, but then Victor on top of that, all of a sudden, what do you do here? We play rugby league. Yeah. We mow the ground before we play on it. So it's a tight fit. Yeah. So all of a sudden you've got people, even without lawn, in the high rise of Hong Kong, interested in a yeah. Victor lawnmower. <laughs> for the nature of having one. Obsessed with lawn. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I understand how that works. Yeah. Uh, Meriton Homes, I think, is a current sponsor. Oh, now that's now Harry Triggerboff, isn't yeah, it? Now, what's, the, what, what's their use going to Hong Kong? They've got plenty of people who can build high-rise there already and have built high-rise there or Shanghai or whatever. They've got to get some other yeah. sponsor who wants to capitalise on this. Um, you Although, know, should the people of Hawaii be nervous that Meriton is suddenly moving in and, looking, and looking at land <laughs> and drawing up plans? Kindling Kids Radio. <laughs> That very awkward silence is the sound of losing. Seldom heard on We Was Robbed. Uh, Yes, uh, you are with Chris Taylor and H.G. Nelson on Kindling and wasn't Brant Garvey interesting? I I honestly didn't realise that you'd have to do different legs for different disciplines in the triathlon. Well, that the, was fascinating. It, and the the way he's described it is he wants the return energy off the running leg, hmm. but he wants to be able to drive the bike with the energy going in yeah. one direction on the bike leg. Which sort of in a way, sense it is, that, it's almost like just the changeover of legs is, an, is a separate leg in the event, if you know what I mean. Like You need oh, to be yeah, really good at the changeover. It's like well, pit stops in F1. Well, well, like doing really quick turnovers can be the difference between a gold and silver medal. Well, I've always found the changeover part of a triathlon a bit sort of messy. odd yeah messy or clumsy or something can be and, and can be people running to sometimes change their shoes often is am i right in thinking this that somehow the shoes from the or put on shoes so they can ride the bike after the swim leg and things like this I always find it a bit sort of um you know inelegant it is if, yeah and yeah. then imagine having to put on a whole leg. Yeah, I know. And on top w- of that. What's great is, is all his mates are doing the same. They're all doing thing. the same. I wonder if they swap legs. You know, oh, I get the... Uh, yeah. like, you know how footy players swap jerseys after a game, if you'd swap <laughs> legs after a triathlon. I, I love the Paralympics. I can't uh, wait till they, for them to start. Uh, they'll be, uh, we'll be covering it here on We Was Robbed. But um, just off the Olympics momentarily, there's been scandal. Scandal on the world of mountain climbing. Well, as um, where people have been faking ascents of Mount Everest. Now, two things here. Of course, uh, speaking of the Olympics, Boulders is coming to the Tokyo Games, and it's a three step event. Not in the same way as a triathlon is, because the things don't run concurrently, but there's um, sort of. Um, Three different challenges. What's that it are called? Set- boulders. Boulders. Yeah, it's, it. it's, oh. it's uh, a climbing, a climbing. Yeah, a sport. sometimes. Yeah, climbing sport. Like indoor climbing. Some of it based on the climbing frames. You know, like yep. as in, uh, you know, the indoor climbing centres. Yeah, exactly. Indoor climbing centres with the handholds and all foot. This was an exhibition stuff. sport in Rio, wasn't it? It was, I think. And then there's they've got, as I understand it, like I say, there's three different styles of it, and you get points in each of them. And uh, you accumulate points, yeah, and right. so you've got a chance if you're Is not going to Is one of so the well. styles synchronised? Uh, what a good question that would be. <laughs> no <laughs> subjective judging, climbing. I hope. Now, the other thing that um, I noticed this week, there was a big campaign about uh, if you've got a bucket list, uh, not climbing Everest would be a good thing to put on it as opposed to climbing Everest. Yeah. And this, of course, leads to the story that... Um, well, there's been forgeries about people climbing Everest and uh, not climbing Everest. 
uh, clumsy forgeries, and uh, two were caught out. Dinesh and Tarakeshwari Rathod announced they'd achieved a lifelong goal to climb the summit of Everest. Uh, doubts were confirmed this week when Nepalese authorities said the Rathod's both police officers in the Indian state of Maharashtra had doctored photographs submitted to the government in applying for a certificate of a successful climb. Now, I had no idea that your climb was authenticated by the Nepalese government. No, I didn't now, that's know that. a really interesting wriggle. How do you need to prove it? Just with a, a selfie at the, at the summit? As I understand it, a photo, they said, that, as, you point, as we pointed out here, doctored photographs submitted to government in applying for the certificate of the climb. What was the giveaway? It was sort of New York skyline behind them? Oh. Or... <laughs> that's right. How bad was the doctored photo? Well, I'd love to see them. That'd be published yeah, in one of just those. Just a green screen behind them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, the couple have been barred from climbing any of Nepal's mountains for 10 years. Oh, gee, they take it seriously. They do. Uh, A 10-year ban. 10-year ban. They provided fake cropped pictures to prove they'd summited, said the Director General of Nepali, uh, Nepalese Department yeah, of Tourism. verb to summit. Veteran climbers and experts said they'd never known Nepal to take such drastic action for fake climb of the peak and said some believed authorities wanted to send a message. <laughs> Send a message for the 10-year ban. I think the whole scene around Everest is being taken more seriously now by the government. This is from an Asian trekking company. Their reputation in Nepal and Nepal's tourism as a state. The couple have been keeping a low profile since they made their claim at a news conference in Kathmandu. Social faux pas to be (laughs) in Nepal. Like That's about the worst thing you can do in Nepal, to (laughs) pretend you'd climbed Everest. Like Sherpa wouldn't talk to you. That's right, for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Indian police officials said that the couple had, had not been seen lately and that they'd not reported to their jobs in Maharashtra, where they, a separate investigation is underway. Gee, the plot thickens. I know, that's They're lying low in shame. Now, look, a lot comes out of this. Firstly, what was in it for them? Why would you want to fake uh, an ascent of Everest? Like, there's no commercial gain from that. It's, no. It's other than just bragging rights that I climbed no. Everest. But and, and given that it's the stakes of a, a summit climb to Everest aren't that high, why would the Nepalese government behave so strictly and draconian in their punishment? Just, well, to send a message, I guess. I think there's been a... Is there a lot of this... What I'm driving at here, is there a spate of this? Is this not a one-off case where a lot of people faking their sense of Everest? And do we need to go all the way back to Sir Edmund Hillary? Well, we and do. have a look at his photos and <laughs> yeah, just go oh, over right. with the magnifying glass yeah, to authenticate those. <laughs> That's right. Maybe no one's ever been up Everest. Todd Sampson, no one. <laughs> Has Todd Sampson been up yeah, Everest? He's been up twice. Right, okay. He's, the, the second time, he's just a Sherpa for someone else. He does it in his day off when he's not filming Gruen. Wow. Well, oh, he loves it. The um, As I understand it, people who do it like him will have a ability to operate at high altitude that you and I may not share. Yeah. It's a genetic it's a freak sort yeah, of. Yeah, genetic possibility that you and I don't have. Uh, in the same way as we could never beat Michael Phelps because we're nowhere near the shape that he is, yeah. and um, etc. Where it's got to is there's a lot of history in this. I think from about 1996, uh, so just over 20 years, it's become a bit of a joke. Uh, Everest. Everest. Well, so you it. get yeah. New York socialites who have never been on a mountain before being carried up yeah. by people, you know, to climb Everest and have their photo taken on top. It's got too easy, is that what you're saying? Well, like, it's no longer a small club. It's no longer a small club. In fact, it's probably, apparently, it's very busy yeah, it's on the track. Like busy. the climbing season, which I presume is their summer, 
very brief window, yeah. and it's like a, it's you know it's like it's, Burke Street well, Mall. Indeed, like, Burke Street Mall. Yeah. Yes, that's right. You can't move for, for tourists people. and socialites and, from New York. <laughs> and of course, the big problem is when people drop the rest of the climbers in their enthusiasm to get to the top, just stroll straight past them or what? No sympathy. Straight past. No sympathy. No. no. So it's become, and of course they had an avalanche, a bad avalanche last year. They may have had an earlier avalanche between in the last 20 years. The last 20 years has been a big problem. What I would suggest, though, that if they're going to penalise people for faking photos, they make them go back up and bring down junk. Because apparently... Oh, there's a sort it's of a complete, an emu parade. An emu parade, yes, on the mountain of of That's of a bit of punishment. Yes, they have to do something for the community of the Ep Mountain. That's a bit of punishment, because also, and you're making them do the climb. Exactly. They, they're claiming that this was their dream, and then they weren't able to fulfil their dream, so they faked the photos. But then the punishment should be, no, go back and do it properly, and clean the place up while you're up there. Well, and, you know, bring back maybe, I don't know, let's set an amount, 100 kilos of rubbish. Yeah. Uh, we won't give you the photos, but then we won't ban you for 10 years. You can have a go next year. But it has become incredibly busy. Now, the 10-year ban, how much is that going to hurt them? I, I right. don't know if you know their, uh, their, their climbing. Plans. Yeah, like it, is, it doesn't rule out Kilimanjaro. It wouldn't no. rule out some of those peaks in um, South America, I think, on the Andes. Is well, Sula Grande. Well, yeah. I'd like to see them have a crack at Sula Grande. Yeah. That's apparently the toughest of the lot. Isn't that now? They're locals from Nepal? Or uh, that, no, no, no. Uh, the Northern India. Northern, Northern India, India, sorry. And so. The police may be worried about their ability to uh, give evidence in a court case, given that they've lied about oh, well, you know, yeah. their, their police they've crime. Got yeah. Lines, so they're not going to be reliable witnesses at all. But what would you suggest for them if they do want to oh, well, get I'd another make... another um, climb under their belt? I'd go to try the seven peaks around Kosciuszko. Remember, we, we got shocked by this story about... In fact, I think these people have done those seven peaks from memory. We'll do them again. Yeah, do them again. <laughs> and, and remember, we were talking about it because we'd never heard of this before. Not that we're close to the mountain climbing world. Yeah, but no. we'd never heard the uh, thing of the seven peaks around Kosciuszko. Is that a thing? Yeah, that is a thing. Mountain climbing or just mountain. walking? Or like rock well, climbing? You- uh, well, I haven't done them, so, um, but I don't know. You Someone don't might be able to let us know if they you, know what the seven peaks are and how you do them, if it, you can just scale them the way you, you would need, Everest or Kilimanjaro, whether it's actual rock climbing No, there would on a be vertical. a walk. It would be a It'd walk. It would be a walk? Yeah. Right. I, I've walked to the top of uh, Kosciuszko, but I haven't done the seven peaks. Um, can you get a chairlift to the seven peaks? No, I no. think you have to. It's a ridge of, uh, I assume, a, you know, like a ridge from here, which Kosciuszko is the biggest, of course. So then you walk to the next ones, and it's not a hugely. And you think walk. this couple's done the seven peaks? I do think they've done the seven peaks. Mind this you, was... you were easily fooled by the photos. That's right. <laughs> the Australian true. government wasn't no, quite I'm as rigorous yeah. authenticating their uh, seven peaks mount. <laughs> We Was Robbed is the siren sound of success here on Kindling Kids Radio. And Chris Taylor and Archie Nelson with you for another 10 minutes or so. Now, we have a lot of fly fishing uh, fans. Well, we had an enormous response to that fly fishing item last week. Last week, week, and we didn't realise just how many uh, listeners were into their fly fishing. And there have been a lot of angry callers, in fact, during this show. 
calling us liars that we said at the top of the show we were going to give an update on the fly fishing and we hadn't. Uh, we're going to make good on that promise now. So what is the latest in well, the, uh, the Canberra precinct or the wider Australian yes. um, fly fishing fly community, fishing community uh, in the world of the fly this week? Well, look, remember, of course, uh, people wanted those dates again for the fly fishing classes. And these are at, uh, well, I wish they were at New Parliament House, but they're at Old Parliament House, opposite the Treasury Building across Parks Place. Classes run from 10 to uh, 12 midday. They start tomorrow, 10 o'clock tomorrow they start, and then they're on the next, t- well, obviously tomorrow and the following Sunday. And then the final class will be held at Kungla Lakes outside Namitable. Uh, and they've, they're two large lakes. They're stocked with fish. And so participants will be able to test their new skills, new new learned skills there. So the first two the weeks, thing. you know we're near a lake. You're, Correct. You're in Old Parliament House just practising casting. That's right. Do you think right. it's... Should we be getting them to the lake sooner? Well, I It's a pretty just, key part of fishing, isn't it? Water. <laughs> You're landing the cast in the water? Well, look, I think that you can duplicate some of these things with witch's hats. You could. Uh, yeah. So try and land it on the top of the witch's hat. Um, look, that doesn't surprise me. I think people can go silly with the lure of fish. They can go get fish feedback. Get excitable early. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. No, and reach for no the one's dynamite. getting excited at Old Parliament House. Now... So the oh, big great. news, though, this week is remember those lessons tomorrow. And uh, Brian Pratt's column is uh, my source of this information. The it's the closed season for Murray Cod in New South Wales and ACT began on Thursday and continued through to November. Now the idea of the closed season to allow the cod to breed. So as, cod's off. Cod's off. You can't pull a cop a cod well, up anymore. Now that's interesting. Or if you get one, you got to put it back. Correct. You can catch them, but you've got to put them back. Catch so, and release for cod. Yes, that's right. Murray so, cod, that is. No fish can be killed during the period. Uh, this is uh, when they're most active, obviously spawning and so on. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can't... Um, they'll take anything, really. Baits, lures, flies meant for other species, uh, you know, such as golden perch, carp, etc. And under the circumstance, it may be possible to avoid hooking cod, but anglers can assist firstly by not fishing in known cod hotspots. Mm. Not sure where you Where can. are the cod hotspots? Well, I'd love to see that on an app. Now, there's a great app to be developed. Oh, yeah. Cod hotspots. And secondly, but by all rule... Hot, like just an app that lets you know what hotspot for what fish. Exactly. You know, yeah, so yeah. there'd be snapper hotspots. Yeah. There'd be flathead. They, they may be a fair way offshore, but the uh, cod hotspot would be in a lake near you. Uh, and secondly, you've got to release the uh, hooked fish as quickly and as gently as possible. But the big news this week is the Greg Whitehead Memorial uh, was held last weekend. This is an, a time-honoured time uh, in Burrinjuk. Uh, great success. Largest cod for senior angle, angler was 91.5 centimetres. That's a hell of a fish. 91.5 centimetres. Wow. That's almost a metre in length of fish. What sort of fish was it? Well, he's a, a, a largest cod. Cod? You're mm. not allowed to catch cod. Well, hang on. Did hang he get on. in just before the ban? <laughs> well, <laughs> the band. back? Wait a minute. The band started on Thursday. When was this? This was last weekend. Oh, he just got in in time. <laughs> When cod was still allowed. 91.5. Uh, it's almost a metre. Jason Swan got that Huge cod. He also had another fish 90 centimetres, uh, t- both taken on trolled spinnerbait. The junior winner was Maxie Spackman with a fish of 81 centimetres. I'm not sure what the age range in juniors and seniors is. Best golden perch, 55.5. That's a big fish too. That's pretty big. Taken by Brett Sullivan. Um, <clears throat> uh, scrub worms. 
Haley Chesworth had the best fish in for the junior, measuring 52.5. Senior Steve Woods had the longest redfin, 31. But these are big fish. Big fish. The fierce competition for the largest carp was eventually won by senior angler Anthony Steele with a 63-centimetre carp. They're my enemy. And junior Darby Abbott. Abnett won the junior, obviously, division with 50 centimetre. The major prize of the Quintrex F390 Explorer was won by a lucky and highly delighted Luke Carmody. Isn't that great? That's fantastic. So that's a terrific update on fishing there. And remember, put the cod put back. Put the cod back. As gently as possible. Bandits and outlaws, this is Radio on the Run. And you are packing down with repeat offenders on We Was Robbed. Uh, just with the cod ban, uh, mm. HG, how, how does a kid know that he's got a cod? Well, like, if you're not completely au fait with fish identification, it's not like you pull it up and it has the word cod written on it. I know there are signs up in a lot of jetties where they'll have the you know the map of what various different fish look like, but telltale signs that you've got a cod on your line. Well, I'd go to the information areas in Canberra and get a chart. Uh, you know, every, every you know, tourist information. I think there's one on Northbourne Avenue if you're headed down to Canberra. Right. Uh, and ch- go in and ask, you know, I've come to fish. I've heard all about the big cod. I know I'm going to put them back gently. Where's your cod hot Let's say a kid picks up a cod in Broome. He doesn't want to take the cod, get on a plane to Canberra, get it identified. By the time he's found out he's got oh, a no. cod, it's almost too late. Uh, very unlikely you get a cod in Broome. <laughs> but be that as it may. The, can I just say a, a quick update on Canberra's lakes, the urban lakes. Uh, are improving slowly. Murray cod are off limits, obviously, but a scatter of golden perch have been reported in Lake Burley Griffin. So that's good news. Yeah, mostly on scrub worms and yabbies. Fantastic. Well, I wish all the dads well mm. with their uh, fishing, if that's what they're doing to celebrate Father's Day tomorrow. Um, but also, I hope you also have a wonderful day, whether you're mum, a kid, a daughter, a son, whatever you're up to. It's been a pleasure to have your company this week on Kindling Kids Radio. Have an awesome Awesome weekend, and we'll catch you again next Saturday. Bye now. That's it for this week, robbers. The boys will be back next Saturday from 8am. Remember, you can relive all the action by heading to our website, kindling.com.au.